Hey y'all, hey, welcome to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we talk about all things adulting, our experiences as three Black women on this amazing journey of living our best life, trying to support each other as we figure out this ghetto world of adulting. I am joined by my amazing co-host, Nay and Sunny D. Hey honeys, I'm Nay, your virtual homegirl who thoughts on almost any and everything. Also, full-time parent, and sometimes you may hear my little one in the background of this podcast. Lo siento, I am sorry. To me, adulting is a game of whack-a-mole. Once you think you have one thing conquered, something else pops right up. Hey everyone, it's Sunny D. And to me, adulting is choosing to be your best self while that laundry piles up and the dogs chew on your good shoes. Yo, this is your girl, Nakai, and I'm your host of Where's My Blueprint Podcast. I randomly burst out in song, Love Ice, and think adulting is a beautiful storm of I get to do what I want to do mixed with what the hell did I sign up for? Thanks for joining us. Now let's get to the episode. Hey, welcome back to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver entertaining, educational, and some inspirational thoughts and comments all about adulting. We are so excited to be here today. Y'all know, resident mommy, I got to do something for the kids. What is one aspect of fun you would want to pass to your future little? Mine is that I hope that my little has fun every single day of their life. And that fun, as we have already decided and communicated, can look differently depending on what you do. But I want that aspect of fun every day in my little's life, whether it's laughing, whether it's cooking uh, together or like making pancakes or like just going on walks. But whatever that fun looks like for my little, I want that to be embedded every day in their little life, but also taken into their adult life. That's a good one. And to kind of piggyback on that, I definitely plan on instilling that spending time with oneself can be fun. And it's okay to just be in a room with your toys and your full-blown imagination and just do whatever it is that they want to do. Because I think spending that time kind of allows them to really tap into their creativity and tap into their imagination and really become close with that part of themselves so that as Nakai said as they get older they that's something that they can always tap into in other areas of their life so definitely that spending quality time with themselves and enjoying it is something that I definitely want them to really learn how to embrace and to do yeah and to elaborate on kind of what all of you all have said I want my little to to be proud of and take ownership of his or their fun. Meaning I don't want them to feel like they're be ashamed of what they consider fun. I don't want them to take other people's thoughts on what's fun and like make it seem like what they're doing shouldn't be fun for them. Like for instance, Alex loves to play the little guitar and sometimes he loves listening to rock music and he has a ball and I don't want people to be like, oh, a little black boy shouldn't play the guitar and he shouldn't listen to rock music and dance to dance music, EDM music and bounce music. Like, no, that's fun for him. You own that fun. You take pride in that fun because that's your fun. And don't nobody else like try to, well, don't internalize anybody else's feelings, thoughts, whatever opinions regarding what you consider fun. Can we say Jimi Hendrix, one of the most amazing, iconic guitar players and rock and 
role players who I love, but he can be a future, not Jimi Hendrix, but better than Jimi Hendrix. And I support that. Little man, you're getting a guitar for your birthday. You know, I already said guitar lessons at five along with some kind of martial arts because the baby likes to punch, punch, punch. So pivot for this week's either or would you rather get hired for any job you apply to, but you have to go through five rounds of interviews or experience extreme anxiety. So sweating, word fumbles, tears, all of that during all of your interviews. The whole thought of anxiety is is giving me anxiety. Just that as an option is no thank you. And truly, I say ill to both of these. But having to choose one, I will gladly take five rounds of interviews because I can tap into like my theater background and I just treat these things as auditions or rehearsals at this point. Maybe have a different character each time. Like I can make it fun and that definitely helps decrease potential anxiety and stuff. But having to be forced to be riddled with anxiety each and every time, like I I can't that I can't live my life like that. No, thank you. So I think I will go ahead and take the anxiety, the sweating, the word fumbles. I don't want to do tears. So we ain't doing tears during that because five rounds of interviews. I think I'll take the sweating and word fumbles if I know I can. I will still be able to communicate what I'm trying to get through. Because for me, five rounds of interviews for every single job, that's a lot. Like, I don't care if you pretend to be an audition. Like if you apply to 10 jobs and you have to do five rounds of each that's 50 different interviews for one like that's just for me that's too much so I rather be able to hey I sweat in my interviews anyway because I'm nervous most of the time so that's normal for me word fumbles I typically hell I word fumble on here on the podcast so (laughs) me word fumbling in the interview is probably normal by now so and then I'll just tell them like hey set it up to tell them like hey I'm really nervous right now so if I word fumble or I may seem sweaty that's why so I will set it up to be like hey y'all about to get this anyway but let's get through this interview and go ahead and give me this job on the first round versus making me do five so y'all know semantics matter to me with that I'm going to choose the go on the interview for five rounds because if you heard and noticed I said get hired for any job you apply to but have to go through five rounds of interviews so technically you wouldn't have to go on 10 job whatever because you could only apply to one job, go through those five rounds, but you already know that you're going to get hired. So you could do whatever you want to during those five interviews because you'll always get the job you want. So either way it goes, I got my job sweating and fumbling with tears anyway. Uh-uh, that's not, that's not part of that one. That was not clear. <laughs> That was a good either or. I like that one. Audience, I want to know what you would think or which one you would pick. And with that, y'all already know we have a quote of every single episode. And so today's quote is, your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. That's by the late co-founder, Steve Jobs. Ladies, what are your thoughts? I agree with this. I feel as though when you're young, you don't really understand the amount of work that you will be doing in your adulthood. And I feel like, at least for me, it didn't click into I had been working for like a decade. And this is all that I do, <laughs> especially because in college, I had like multiple jobs. So it was all work all the time. And I feel as though like enjoying what you do makes the inevitable, like those inevitable shitty days that you have, they suck a little less because at least you like what you're doing. And that 
day may be a one-off or whatever, but it does make the appeal of having to go to work to pay bills and survive in this life that you didn't have to be brought into a little easier. Okay. So maybe I thought about this a little too differently because when I saw your work is going to fill a large part of your life, I thought it meant work as in service to others, not necessarily a nine to five, because I also believe that your nine to five or whatever gives you income should be a part of your purpose. And even if it is a minuscule part of your purpose, it should be a part of your purpose and your purpose should be fueled by your passion. So I really like this quote because that's the framework that I, you know, looked at it through. I love interpretation because one quote and both of y'all had different interpretations. And for me, I had a mix of both, meaning when I was in college, my work, I loved working in play therapy, like working with Dr. Dr. Gary Landreth, like really learning about like how to see people. Yes, girl. I worked with him and had class, like literally learned from him, like the creator of, yes, play therapy. Yes. <laughs> Nay and I are having a geeked out moment right now. <laughs> But like really understanding what work means. And so like for me in college, like looking at like work was great and amazing. And now I'm like, okay, as an adult, how am I serving? But also y'all adulthood is one thing of like, sometimes you just got to take a job that you just got to take a job because you got bills to pay or you trying to get to a goal that you know you need to get to this goal. And you know, every day you walk into this job, you, you just want to, strangle. For me, it was a guy. Sunny D and I worked at this job together. It was at a jury store. That guy was a predator and I don't like him. I only did the job because I wanted to go to parties and that was my extra income. <laughs> But yeah, that dude was trash. He low key, I'm telling you, was a predator. He was pedophile and everything. Like, what is it called? Uh, not a pedophile. When you sex, he was sexually harassing his um staff. Ooh, let's not go down memory lane. But so as I said, a part of adulting that no one tells us about, especially, but we're going to let y'all in on this secret is at some point, you have to play this employment waiting game. What is that? Oh, it's applying to jobs like crazy. Meaning applying to this job, this job, this job, this job, any job ever. And it's not even just employment because depending on where you are, if y'all are in college or anything, depending on if y'all have to do internships, applying to internships can get crazy stressful. And I'm not sure if you two had that um, experience of having to apply for internships, getting denied, but having to do a practical I'm having to do volunteer work then just to get the job and then once you get the job you're like applying like crazy just to get a full-time job ladies y'all know what I'm talking about yes um as a social work major at my college you had to had to do a practicum so they had a list of different places you could do your practicum at but you did have to interview for it and I found it super funny how just like you show your best self at those interviews those practicum supervisors show their best at those interviews because one in particular that I had was a hot ratchet mess as I did my practicum. Now they put on a good show and you know it had a little bit of prestige surrounding this particular place because of what it was. It was a specialty school but getting into that day to day honey they were ratchet and ghetto and I was like what in the world did I sign up for and it didn't help that the director was the cousin of my the woman over the practicum's brother so I mean she knew 
the ratchetness of the school, but she did have some sort of familial like relationship with the woman. So I really couldn't vent how I wanted to vent. Let's just say by the grace of God, I came out of there with an A and it did not mess up my 4.0 GPA. But other than that, I was counting the days until I was done. Kudos to you to have a 4.0 GPA in your master's program. This, I just want to say that's great because no, you don't think that's great? Why not? Because I didn't have the party and college experience that I felt like I should have had. I was too focused in them books and not on my social life. See, they always tell you that you too focused on social life and not in them books. No, I was the opposite. I would have done college a little bit differently had I known then what I know now. See, that's so funny. I guess I had a really good balance because I was definitely was not a 4.0. So I give you great. I give you your kudos for that. But I had a great balance of like, "Mm, let me go ahead and go to this party, go out, let me hang with the friends. But then, okay, me and one of my other friends, we would call ourselves on Sunday. That's our study day. We would get up, wake each other up to go to church. And then once we're done with church, we will study for like four hours straight. Like we took breaks in between because y'all know my brain. I can only do 45 minutes to 50 minutes and I need a 10 minute break but we took breaks but those days were the reason why I passed my comps (laughs) other than that I would probably like y'all I don't have a master's couldn't get through it I was similar to Nay. I did not have that fun party experience. Granted, my college experience was probably a tad different than most, given what I was going through in my personal life. But dang, if I had the opportunity to do it again, I would probably be on the Nakai tip and, you know, throw in a party or two or three throughout the week and do all the other kind of stuff because I definitely feel like I missed out on having that type of experience in college. And I also feel like given those times for that fun to, to, bring that into such a stressful time probably would have been better for me. And I probably would have had a much higher GPA because mine was so far from a 4.0. I'm just glad I got the degree. At that point, I was like, please give me my piece of paper so I could go. And let me clarify before some of my friends who actually know that I do this podcast look at me strange. It's not that I didn't go out and I didn't have a social life. I was just more concentrated on the GPA and not the fact that the degree is the prize. Like these companies and these like people employment places, they don't care if you have a 2.6 or a 4.0. It just is matriculated from the university of such and such. So I could have had more of a social life and had the same results with my degrees and my diploma as opposed to being focused on I'm cum laude, I'm summa cum laude, I got a 3.0, I just got a 4.0, this, this, that. that don't matter. So my clarification. And you are right. Like even doctors have C, the C doctors still pass and they still doctors and half of them don't know what the fuck they doing. Anywho. So <laughs> as adulting lady, <laughs> have y'all, so I just went through this where, and as y'all know, the world knows right about now, we had something that shut us down called COVID. And when COVID hit specifically for me, I worked in healthcare. So I was, I had a choice of getting a vaccine or not. I chose not to. And so with that, as everyone knows, you had an option of like, oh, if you're not getting a vaccine, you either lose your job or for the specific place I was at, they did an interactive process for like eight months. So it's a totally different thing. Anyway, so I started. 
started this thing called the employment waiting game of applying, 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 and keep applying. But my question for y'all is, have y'all ever had that experience where y'all are applying to jobs so much? And if y'all have, how did y'all keep the motivation? And I'm gonna let y'all think about that why, while I give y'all more, my audience, a little bit more information. I'm asking this question because as a person who applied to over 150 jobs and literally some days were hard for me, but luckily I'm not going to lie. Nate can attest to this <laughs> of me calling her almost to tears. Like even when we were both in Cali, I'm going over there like, I need help. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, how did y'all, like for me, I had the motivation because I had people sending me jobs. I had people like Nate talking to me of like, yo, keep going. You got this. Like, have you looked at this? Have you thought about this? What about this? I had my friend in Houston. Her mother-in-law was sending me jobs. And then her husband was even talking to some of his police friends and who were in Dallas or California or even Tennessee and Florida and was like, hey, do y'all know of any positions? And so when I say I was applying around the country, I was applying around the country. And when I say this was crazy of like keeping the motivation. And so I just want to know, have y'all ever experienced this in y'all adulthood? And if so, how did y'all keep going? So the funny thing is to this day, I still have 50 million project management jobs popping up on my LinkedIn because of all the ones I sent you. <laughs> so that cracks me up every time I get a LinkedIn message and it's like these project management jobs in California. <laughs> and I'm like, this is we're, we're too bonded at times. But anyway, I feel like I've had employment wedding game, but once again, full disclosure, it was not nearly to the extent that you had for two reasons. One, I am a woman who does not like to spread myself across multiple places. So I'll apply to like three jobs. <laughs> And then just wait on the results of that because applying to so many, I, I just, I can't. And also because I've been blessed to be in a relationship for almost a decade where he is kind of our sole breadwinner. So when I get too many rejections, I'd be like, F this, I ain't got to work anyway and don't apply to no more. But how I kept the motivation when I was in the waiting game was just to remind myself of my why. Like, why am I seeking this employment? Why am I? I put myself through this rigmarole. Like I said, especially because I don't have to work. So it's like, why are you stressing yourself out? Like, what are you getting for this? What do you hope to accomplish with this? What is this job? Well, not even what is this job? Is this job going to be worth it and fulfill you to the extent that you are stressing about obtaining the job? Because that is silly. If the job that you are stressing over is not going to bring you joy, peace, and happiness, why are you stressing yourself to get it? I mean, that's that's a gem right there because that was one of the things that I realized that I had to keep in the forefront of my mind in my most recent job search because it could have been very easy for me and at times it was for me to just be like I mean I have this job now I like these people you know I enjoyed what I did I just they just didn't pay me enough money to do it so if I was thinking about you know hanging with my coworkers or even just enjoying the company enjoying the atmosphere that I got to work in, it was real easy for me to not like to, to lose that motivation in the waiting 
game because there were absolutely times where I would have three or four interviews a day. I mean, at that point, I probably should have just taken the day off (laughs) and just did those interviews. But I'm like sneaking out for like lunch break to have them because I had to keep that why. And the why is your rent is due at the first every month and you got to pay it. Otherwise, you have no place to stay. And going back home is not an option. So I had to keep that in the forefront of my mind. But that waiting game is really, really brutal. And it can be really brutal when it's not even just, it'd be one thing if rejection was just like, we found another candidate or a candidate that was more aligned with what we needed. But it's the like radio silence of absolutely nothing. Like nobody follows up with you. You've applied to a bunch of stuff and you hear just straight crickets. Like that can absolutely be so demotivating. But man, just one of the other key things I will say, as far as keeping the motivation, I started to take some of my personal stuff that I had like in my office at work, I started to take that home. I started to remove elements of my person, like my personality, things that I liked away from my workspace because having those things made work easier. It made it more familiar. It made it more uh, comfortable to be there. So if I started taking away those personal elements and it was just sterile office equipment or whatever it was that I needed, I could, it was easier for me to detach and focus on trying to move forward versus having all that stuff and personal pictures all over the place and cute little notes from coworkers or whatever, that would have kept me there because that was my comfort zone and that I had to remove and that made it easier to stay focused. You said some gems, one about having no plan B. And I think about this of like, when you don't have a plan B, plan A will work out. Like it has no choice but to work out. But I'm gonna loop back to something they said about, I think when she got in her internship, And you think it's like, oh, this is so fun. Y'all are cool in the interview. And then you get in there and you're like, what the fuck did I sign up for? Y'all, Nate, Nate, I want to loop back to something because Nate (laughs) said something about like when you are interviewing with people and you think like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. So as y'all know, uh, over 150 applications and I finally get a job and I'm so excited because I'm working with my people, black people. Hey, and I literally, as Nate said, the interview was great. You get into there and I'm like, this is a shit show. What the hell did I sign up for? And God, why do you have me here? And so, Nay, I know you said when you did your interview, it was with all black people. You didn't phys- you didn't say it on here, but I know you and I talked. And so what was your experience with that? Like working in an environment with all black people, which can be great. But my experience as this is my first time working in an environment with all black people. Y'all, I got some concerns for us. So what I'm about to say my shine light. I, I can empathize and support you. I have been as you're going through your current situation. To answer your question, I feel like Black people need to understand that there are different ways to be Black. My issue was that I came in there as myself and myself is a Black girl who came from a red state who lived in a smaller town in the suburbs of the smaller town and went to a predominantly white institution. Nothing about that description says ghetto black girl. Not that there's anything wrong with you if you grew up in the ghetto or if you're an urban black girl. That's not my reality. So my interests, the way I speak, even though y'all get sister girl now, I don't know where she came from. Maybe I'm just more in tune with myself. Anyway, but the way I spoke, the way I carried myself, my interests and everything else kind of labeled me as the uppity black girl, aka the white black girl. 
Never mind the fact that one of the administrators was the daughter of one of my mom's really good friends. We grew up in the same town, but I wasn't loud. I wasn't speaking with AAVE. Like I, I wasn't that. And so people were like, I don't know if I can trust her. First of all, what are you doing in a school that you need to be able to trust people? Because that doesn't seem like keeping the kids best interests at heart. Like, I don't know if she's down, like all this other stuff. So that's why I didn't feel personally comfortable because I'm like, y'all are doing a whole bunch of foolishness and the people who are in management are right along with the foolishness, but I'm supposed to act like this is okay. I'm supposed to act like nothing's going on, especially when I'm not employed at this place and I have to go back to where I am affiliated with and try to keep up the lie because that's what it is. Even if it is a covert lie, it's still a lie that y'all are treating people correctly, that y'all are above board and everything else. I can't do it. That didn't sit right in my spirit. So that's why there was a disconnect between me and that location because what y'all sold me on was not the reality of the environment. And that's the gem. What you sold me on is not the reality. And the reality is we talked about in a previous episode, the glass cliff or like you hiring these black women to come in to fix your messed up stuff. But the problem is like the reality of this is all black people and you want another black person to come in and fix what the black people or the organization has already messed up. And that's crazy because it's unnecessary stress, if that makes sense. It is truly unnecessary stress. It's like, how how can we in this employment waiting game? And I really want to know, like if there's some recruiters out there, HR, please chime in. How can we, like, are there specific questions we can ask to really understand what is the culture? But how do we decipher? Are you lying or are you telling the truth? I know, Nay, you said one day take a tour to see like, well, what are the people doing? But what if everybody's on their best behavior? Like what, how, what hell? So this is one of the things that I learned in this most recent job hunting process is, and I mentioned it in one of our previous episodes to ask questions when they ask you at the end of it, do you have any questions? Like, please have a list of questions because it's so important. But one of the questions that I started asking was, I wanted to know from them as an individual who is currently employed in XYZ position at ABC company, what would you change about the company culture or the company like organization and how the day-to-day functions. What would you change? Because I can ask you what you like and you already have something in mind that you like about it. Like, I feel like that's something that's kind of programmed to be pleasing or acceptable or whatever. I want to know what you want to change. What is this, what is one of the challenges that you see candidates that have had this position before or other people that are in the similar position that you're adding to the team? What are the issues in your opinion from your point of view? These are the things that I want to know because that helps me get more of an insight on if I'm walking into a shit show and if this is the type of shit show that I want to be a character in because sometimes it may not be that challenging or that difficult depending on the culture depending on what it is that you do and how badly you want xyz position but for me I needed to know because I've been in positions or I've been with companies where it's like this is how y'all run a business I'm confused on how you even think that this is successful and still have questions on why y'all got problems because your priorities are not in order what are you doing with your lives these are the things that I don't understand so I need to know what would you change these are the questions that I have to ask I think similarly similarly one of the questions that I have 
had at my interview for my current job was to ask them, why did the previous person who fulfilled this role leave? Because your duty station changing, you just moving is completely different from, oh, they decided this wasn't a good fit. Hmm. If they decided this wasn't a good fit, maybe it's not a good fit for me either. I think that's a good point because I did ask that question and their answer was, oh, the person is moving out of state. Okay, cool. And now I really, really, really want to reach out to that person. And be like, sis, was it really because you moved out of state or is it because all this other stuff, they ran? Yes, they ran. And it makes so much sense because, again, when you only have one piece of the puzzle, you only see one piece of the puzzle until all these other pieces started to line up. And you're like, get this bird's eye view. And you're like, it wasn't her. It's y'all. And that's just, for me, frustrating. And so my question for y'all is, have y'all ever, I know we were talking about like, feedback with the employment game, waiting game. And I know for me, a lot of them quote unquote responded that because of COVID and things like that, they had to do what's called a freeze hiring. Did y'all ever get that reply or do y'all know what that is? I am confused. How are you responding that there is a freeze hiring when I am applying to an actively listed position opening? Make it make sense because it don't make sense to me. So don't y'all just love her brain? (laughs) So I was trying to figure that out too. So I got one... One of them came back and was like, oh, unfortunately, they put it up. But yes, it's quote unquote act like they're taking resumes, but they can't hire anyone because they're 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 on a hiring freeze. And so you can submit your applications, but they're not going to do anything until the hiring freeze is over. And so when I was talking to him, I was like, well, why would I submit an application just to be waiting when I could go and do? I don't I don't understand. And so the guy literally was like, he was like, I know. I'm sorry. This is what they're telling me to tell everyone who's applying. And I was like, it's okay. (laughs) I get it. Just know I'm not. You can go ahead and take my resume off. I don't want this position and we can keep moving forward because I just think of like how in the world can you say y'all are on a hiring freeze but y'all still are actively taking applications them help us putting candidates on layaway that is a genius way to think about that because how can you like you just collecting it's like you collecting stamps what like what I don't understand <laughs> why waste my time to give you this thoroughly detailed like resume for it to just sit in an invisible box because you're on a hiring freeze that you have open positions I, I am confusion on that one because that makes absolutely no sense I haven't had that experience but I have had the reconstruction experience where these companies because of the pandemic or maybe they utilize the pandemic as an opportunity to do it because they probably should have did a long time ago that they're restructuring the organization and how hierarchies work how flows work what the actual work of the roles consist of and that was one of the things that the company that I was with at the time that's what they were doing because like when like when COVID hit the whole hierarchy changed who, who like our region changed like all kinds of these structural operational things changed and adjusted and a lot of people got laid off and a lot of people just got moved to other roles that they didn't initially get hired for. So now they're doing something different that's really not in their wheelhouse, but they didn't want to let them go for whatever reason. It was really weird. And it was like, do you know what you want to do and how this needs to be structured? So when I was doing like applying for jobs and stuff, 
them explaining to me what the gig is. There was one company that was, they were only hiring contract workers. And it was, to me, I felt like that was more layaway situations. Like we're going to get you for, you know, six months to see if you're a fit for such and such, but you don't know what the fit is yet. So I'm confused because you don't know what your hierarchy is or what it's supposed to be, but yet you're still trying to hire people to do jobs and you don't know how it's supposed to fit in how your organization is structured. I don't want to be part of that, but thanks though. And I think you made so many good points. When a company is reorganizing, it is very traumatic. It's traumatic on the current employees. It's traumatic on the employees coming in. It's traumatic on the ones that unfortunately went into work and was like, hey, I'm working today and get an email, open your email. Hey, your account will be deactivated at 12.05. You need to leave. So yeah, so that's what, what I'm learning is the position I'm in now. They did a reorg during COVID and all this is just the um, consequences of their reorg. But in this reorg, no one knows anything. And they, just like Sunny D said, they have people in positions specifically. You have people in HR with no HR experience. You have people in leadership with no leadership experience. You have people helping students to try to graduate. You don't know how to read a degree plan. We have some big, we have some issues going on. This is horrible. And the crazy thing is, is like, I get it when you're trying to reorg and things like that, because I've been through a reorg. I've been through what we call a buyout, where one company buys another company and we merge together. I've been through that. That experience was beautiful. They made sure every single employee still had their job. They made sure every single employee employee, like we, we were a part of the process, if that makes sense. And yes, there were some roller coasters, some bumps and bruises, because I mean, we're becoming a new, honestly, company we're merging, but it's all about, it's a way to do everything. And even with that, I think of like, I'm about to segue, but I think about like government jobs. Have y'all ever applied to government jobs? Oh, the stress. Government jobs are some of the most BS jobs because what they don't tell you and what you find out after you become well-versed is in applying for government jobs is the government typically only has a hiring period twice a year in January and June typically. That is when funding restarts and everything else. They also post jobs all throughout the year. So you can have a job that is posted in September. Yes, when they start hiring or will hire for that job. January. Do they say that? Not at all. How would you know that if you've never applied for government jobs? You wouldn't. Do they typically make you apply on USA jobs? Yes. Is that the most backwards, difficult to understand hiring platform? Absolutely. Do I feel like that algorithm needs a personal touch? Most definitely. Yeah. Government jobs can be great because, you know, when we grew up, I don't know about y'all, but my family would be like, you know, go to school, get that good government old job. You know, you work for the government and you good the rest of your life. You get a pension. Well, let's be real. If you are in your 30s or younger, you will not have a 401k. You will not have you may or may not have a pension. I'm going to say depending on what job you are in at this current moment now. So y'all better start saving y'all coins, investing and making sure y'all are your own retirement because the way the system is systeming and the way people in office don't know what they doing either. The US of fucking A, we may be going down one day. And with that, y'all, we cannot tell y'all enough about like, we are here because of our experiences. So we want to educate, enlighten you and prepare you <laughs> if y'all are younger. But even if you're 
not, y'all in your 30s are going through this because this happened to me in my 30s. When I was in my 20s, I always kept a full-time job in my field. So y'all, yes, me and Nate, like, yes. <laughs> but I just wanted to let y'all know, like during this time, even if you feel like rejection after rejection after rejection, or you may get depressed or you may feel like giving up, if you have a support system, reach out to your support system. If you don't have a support system, reach out to us and we will do what we can, to, you know, help what we like help y'all make sure y'all are okay but ladies what's that one one piece of advice because we've all been through this employment waiting game that you would give someone that is in the midst of it and it's like lord if i have to apply to if i get one more no i don't know what i'm gonna do what's that one piece of advice that y'all can give to these people our audience we love y'all so i'm gonna give this piece of advice and hopefully nakaya don't take this as we gonna extend this episode but if you are currently unemployed and you are in the process of the employment waiting game, my advice to you is volunteer at a facility that, that's why I said that look, that is in the field that you want to work in. Because for one, you ain't got no job. What else you doing with your time except for going on interviews? Number two, if you become a valuable fixture at the place, they can either keep you in mind when a position opens up or let's be honest because places do this all the time. They can create a position for you out of thin air, but you've already cultivated those relationships. They already see your worth ethic. You're already valuable to them with giving you no money. So why wouldn't they give you money? Especially if you do drop in their head that you are applying for other places. So either they can hire you on or they can lose out on your value when you do get hired somewhere else. That's a very good one. I would say for those that are actively seeking a new opportunity to, I mean, we touched on it earlier and I think it's really important to remember why you need to make the change or why you want to make that change. For me, like I said, it was me focusing on making sure bills get paid every month, but it made it easier for my subconscious to remove myself or aspects of myself and my personality from my workspace. For those of you that still have in-person occupations and you're wanting to transition out of it, take that little stuffed animal home that you got sitting in the corner on your desk. Take all your pictures off of the walls and your favorite affirmations and your favorite little quotes that you printed up. Remove those things because at this point, this is just a job and you're wanting to transition over. That's my advice is to focus on on the reason why you're wanting to transition to a new opportunity. Remove your personal belongings, cute little pins, fun. You know, use those terrible big pins that they order from staples that everybody hates. Like use those because don't use your good pins no more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Take your good pins home. <laughs> Make it uncomfortable for you to be there as motivation to get your shit and go. Oh, and I'm also going to add, quit staying late. Give them people the time that they are paying you for. Because when you're comfortable, you might stay a little five, 10 minutes late, finish the little project. No, you are leaving. Clock out at five. We're going to say walk out at five. Get your stuff. Start preparing. 445, your stuff needs to be ready. And you need to be in your car at five o'clock. Like, we're not, mm 
mm-mm. you can clock out from your phone in your car. You can clock out from your computer in your car. We not, mm-mm. but I agree with that. Um, ladies, y'all are awesome with the tip of volunteering, understanding your why, take all yourself home because that's the psychology of it. Like make yourself so uncomfortable that you don't want to be there. But also if you do not have a job as you are looking for a job in the midst of all of this, um, I would say two things. One, watch your spending. Unless you have savings, and I mean, not just like, oh, I got a $1,000 saved. Nah, boo. Meaning, unless you have one to two years saved where you are good, watch your saving and watch your spending during this time. Two, if you can, something similar to Nate, if they have a part-time position, get your foot in the door. Take a part-time position somewhere. It could be, honestly, it could be Tarjay, if y'all like Tarjay. And you can get in so you understand how to go to corporate. If you want to, any position that you're looking for any company, if they have a part-time position, do the part-time position. And with that, with all of this, I want to say thank y'all ladies and understanding through this, y'all, y'all are worthy of the job y'all y'all want and desire. You have to believe it in your soul that you are worthy, that you deserve. And this is for you to have that job, to have that income. If you want hundred K, you can do hundred K, but y'all have to know your self-worth, self-belief and self-love is most important through any of this. And with that, a word from our sponsor. Hey, beautifuls. This message is brought to you by The Grass is Greener on the Other Side, where we help women who have anger, sadness, and shame from being cheated on learn how to heal and take their power back so they can regain confidence, restore their peace, and attract the life of their dreams. We can be found on IG at Brianna underscore Latrice. That's spelled B-R-I-A-I-N-A underscore L-A-T-R-I-C-E. And for all of the Where's My Blueprint podcast listeners, we're offering free 15-minute discovery calls. So if you're ready to regain and restore that self-love, self-worth, and self-belief back in yourself, shoot me a DM for a free discovery call today. Because my motto is, honey, leave that cheater and find your peace. If you're interested in joining my new course, Rejection is Redirection, using your past as a reference, not a residence, you can email me at affairrecoverycoach at gmail.com or you can shoot me a dm at brianna underscore latrice see you on the call all right we're going to transition into our favorite segment moments of melanation moments of melanation moments of melanation is where we highlight a black person doing their thing today for moments of melanation we are highlighting we're gonna tell y'all about higher black Hire Black is a community and platform made by and for Black women with a mission to get 10,000 Black women hired, trained, and promoted. Niani Talbert, a tech recruiter, created Hire Black as a way to support the racial and social justice movement. Black women already face systematic obstacles at getting jobs, and with the job market now more competitive than ever, we are providing support to those who often get overlooked and underpaid, she said. She also has made it so Hire Black is a community of 6,000 people, including a job portal and works with companies like Condé Nast, Niantic, Spotify, Amazon Devices, Vettery, and The Skim. She said, more than a handful of people have shared with me that they were able to increase their salary by at least 20,000. We've even had someone who was able to get increased their, to increase their salary by 60,000. I'm trying to get Black women paid paid. I want to use collective knowledge and community to close the gender and wealth gap, she shared. So I think this is 
is fantastic. I love initiatives that understand where the gaps in our society are and the intention to help close those gaps, the wage gap, the gender gap, racial bias, all of those things. And I think something like this is very needed and necessary because as we've mentioned before in this episode and a few other episodes, like it's not well known that there is like wage gaps or that black women are being paid less or how much that disparity is. So having programs like this that really help uplift and encourage and educate women to be able to get the income that they deserve and get the income that they want is so incredibly important. And it reminds me of, as I've mentioned before, being able to go from a job that I liked and I enjoyed the people that I worked with, but was not paying me anywhere close to what I needed just to survive day to day life, just like your basic needs in adult existence. And I focused, I took a lot of resources that I found online. I took a lot of resources that were free and made available to me, thank goodness, and was able to triple my income because of these things. And it's not as difficult as it sounds. Like that sounds like a big, like a tall order to be like, I tripled my income and these like, I didn't do any certifications. I didn't do a bunch of classes. I didn't go back to school um, or any of those things. It was really just understanding how resumes work. It's understanding how HR professionals view these things and how the hiring process works and really understanding what like your quote unquote market is averaging and what they're paying people. And understand where you fit in, you know, within that hierarchy. Once you have those things kind of understood, it makes being able to elevate your income much easier. And programs like this is the exact thing that helps people to do that, which is great. Yes. I love Hire Black because I follow them on IG and they always have job postings. Like, and not only job postings, they let you know how much the, how much you ask for, how much the job is paying. So, and I know we talked about this in a previous episode of like the worst job and it's on a TikTok of like, I hate applying for jobs and I don't know your range. I shouldn't have to ask for the range. You should already have that. That should automatically be on the job description. Yes, because at this point, I don't want to interview if you, I don't want to waste my time, waste your time if you ain't even in my range, right? But I love that she said and I think this is a gem for everybody to take away is like, she said, take your credit. Why? Because unfortunately no one is tracking it for you or paying attention to you the way they should and publicize your achievements. And I think that is is such a gem because we really don't we do some amazing stuff at work all the time and we just think it's normal and that amazing work that we did or that project that you led or that seminar that you put on at another job will pay you 20 to triple your income because that's what they're looking for but we just think oh that was a part of my job right every single thing down that you do at work meaning if you volunteered for a symposium write that down if you did this write that down and then also I love because of how Sunny D said, utilize your free resources. This is a free resource. It's on Instagram. It's a free resource and they are doing the damn thing. So kudos to y'all hire black. Hopefully one day I get to meet y'all. Yeah. And I just want to expand on something you said, Nakai. Um, something that I've taken as a military spouse is their version of the I love me binder. And so what that is, is a place where you put all of your promotions, all of your trainings, all of the accolades 
accolades you've gotten. And that is a place that you can go to when it comes time for promotions, when it comes time to, you know, transition out and you go in there and you can see all of the great things that you've done and use that to get promotions or use that when you transition into the civilian workforce. So I currently have my I Love Me binder, which has my trainings, which has all of the things that I've done so that when it comes time to update my resume, I know what I did, when I did it, and all of those details that we always forget and when it's time to update that resume. I love that, that I Love Me binder. And I hope y'all actually use that and utilize that because I think that is a freaking amazing resource that you can do for free. And if you don't want to do a binder, put everything in OneNote. There are so many apps, OneNote, Evernote, you can use and upload it and you have a digital copy of it. Hell, use your email. Gmail is free. I mean, (laughs) at this point, like really highlight you. And I really think like as black women, we don't take the time to recognize how awesome we are. You know what I mean? Like every day we come into work, we are the light. Every day we come into work to do anything, we are the ones that are making this job, job and go and run. And so I love that for us. And with that, um, before we end, because we are the light, there's this quote I want to leave y'all with. And it is, sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but you've actually been planted. And that is by Christine Kane. And I love this quote because as we talked about going through the employment waiting game and like applying, 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 it gets tiring. You can be depressed. You can feel rejection. You can feel like you're not worth it. But when you get that position, you have to know that you haven't been selected. You've been planted there because now you are on an assignment and whatever that assignment that God has placed you in there for, no, his, his why and his assignment is bigger than anything or any person in there. Absolutely. And it's about the perspective that you have in the situations that you are in. Cause it's easy to see something like that and be like, you're just buried, you're low and there's no way out of it, but you're meant to be there because that's how you start roots. That's where your roots grow. And you have to be planted in order to grow into something and flourish and be fruitful. So it's definitely about perspective when you're having those moments. That might just be the key is change your perspective. And because it is about perspective and it is about changing your mindset, our affirmation for this week is I trust the timing of my life. And that comes from less of balanced Black girl. And I chose that affirmation because in the waiting game, you might feel like nothing is happening, but I I serve a God and a Father who has everything on divine timing. So even when I feel like there is no movement, there is no course, I'm just stagnant. I know that his timing says that things are moving, things are working because everything works for my good. So yes, keep that in mind as your affirmation this week and heck for the rest of your life. But we're going to give you another one to add to your toolbox next week. So guys, you know, we come up with all of the content, but this is y'all's podcast too. At to some extent. So please, if you have any other topics that you want us to delve more into, any topics you want to hear our takes on, because you know we keep it popping hot out for here, email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or hit up that little drop box on our website at wheresmyblueprintpod.com. Once again, you can email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com 
or drop us a little comment, a little note, a little suggestion at where'smyblueprintpod.com. Thank you, Nay. And so with that, we want to say y'all can listen to this episode every Wednesday. We drop an episode every Wednesday. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and check out the blog at where'smyblueprintpod.com. Again, where'smyblueprintpod.com for all naysays and all the extraness that we put in here. Nay going to help you up in the blog with it. And with that, we want to say thank you and we are over and out. Bye. Peace out.